This is Yak Radio. Passing the mic to the next generation. Let's dive into the cultural landscape of the Byron Bay region through the eyes. No, the ears. Okay, the ears of the young people of this area. For the next half hour, we will explore youth culture, current events, and important topics. We will showcase impressive people from the area, exploring local histories and mysteries, and present the most relevant and important information you need to know. All brought to you by the young voices of this region. Yak Radio! Your local youth show on Bay FM. Welcome to Yak Radio, the local youth Byron radio show. We acknowledge we are on Bundjalung and Arakwal country. I am Leela, your host for today. So Yak Radio is all about sharing young voices and specifically the young voices of the local Byron region, having them express themselves and their opinions on air to connect and reach out to you, the community members. Today is a really exciting show as we are debuting two new segments. The first segment is by Sisha Chu. It's called Be the Change and is all about inspirational world change and action that leaves a positive effect on the world. Today, she is interviewing Claire Boyle from Farmers for Climate Action. After that, you'll hear a song by local young artist, Jake Harpaz. I actually saw him busking at Top Park last Monday. At the end of the show, we have Sophie with a podcast called Home to Bilo, all about Tamil Sri Lankan family that were taken away from their home, Bilawila, in Victoria and placed in um, a detention centre in Christmas Island. She goes into all of the nuts and bolts and it's a very interesting, complex story. You're going to hear three parts of that. The first is this week and then tune in for the next following weeks to hear all of it. Then last, a special event announcement, which is our Conscious Movie Club, next Friday the 15th at the Yak. Enjoy the show. Dare, lead, change, combat, revolution, action, uprising, inspiration, fire, in spirit, future. Hey, it's Tisha Chu, and you're listening to Be The Change. You'll hear conversations with leaders, shakers, and changemakers. We talk hard-hitting topics and general banter, making space for conversations about a positive future and igniting the power within us to be the change. Hey everyone, welcome back to Be The Change. You're listening to Sisha Chu. Today, we're talking to Claire Boyle, who's the Policy and Partnerships Coordinator for Farmers for Climate Action. She's passionate about taking action to reduce pollution in the agricultural industry while still benefiting rural communities, making her an amazing advocate for positive change. Hi, Claire. It's so awesome to have you on the show. Hi, Sersha. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Me too. I'm going to start off by asking five favourites. So, Claire, what is your favourite food? My favourite food is fresh pasta that I've made for myself with some sort of easy sauce with a lot of butter. (laughs) What is your favourite book? I always said my favourite book was Catch-22, but I haven't read it in years. So I would say my most recent favourite would have to be The Dry by Jane Harper because I read it in two and a half hours. What is your favourite season? Definitely spring because everything's so hopeful. Favourite way to relax? At the moment and through COVID, it has been hanging out with my pet lambs. I have five. That is so cute. And what is your favourite place? 
I think my favourite place is my family's farm in the Mallee in northwestern Victoria. What sparked your passion for taking action in climate change? Um, I guess so. I always cared about the natural environment. I spent most of my youth in the millennium drought in northwestern Victoria, and it just didn't rain from when I was about six to when I was 16. (laughs) And I remember it being such a big issue. So I knew that I always wanted to work in the environment space, and I really wanted to be a lawyer. So I went and did an arts degree and then went and did a law degree and then realized that the meat of environmental law in Australia is in planning, and I wasn't going to achieve anything particularly positive if I continue to go down that path or it would be hard to do so. So um, I started volunteering with Farmers for Climate Action for fun and two months later I started working in admin and I've just been there ever since and I just the more I did it the more I realized how important it was to be working in a space that was benefiting rural communities, but then also tackling such a major source of Australia's emissions. Yeah, definitely. And so you said Farmers for Climate Action. Can you let me know a little bit more about what this organisation does and what it actually is? Absolutely. So Farmers for Climate Action is a movement of farmers all across Australia. There's a dual purpose, I guess, of both advocating for climate action on behalf of farmers, but then also trying to build climate literacy and climate smart agriculture cultural literacy amongst farmers and also just like getting out there and talking to people talking to farmers working in rural communities to make sure that as we like approach a carbon neutral world that all of those benefits are being felt in rural communities and by farmers and we're not getting left behind can you tell me a little bit about how you guys do that in farmers for climate action We have meetings with politicians, we write submissions, we have reports on certain issues, we go out and meet with farmers, we attend field days, we run. In the past, we've ran in-person conferences that bring together experts, academics, industry experts to talk about potential climate smart practices on farms and like the future of Australian agriculture. This year we've ran a lot of webinars, a lot of webinars, and also we did a two-week intensive Climate Smart Agricultural Fellowship for Tasmania, Victoria, and Queensland, so where 20 participants from each state came together for two weeks of intensive learning about climate smart practices on farm and how to become advocates in the climate space and talking and engaging about climate. Wow, that's really amazing. And you guys are really doing a lot in terms of communicating with people and really like encouraging change to happen in that sort of sector. And so how can others get involved in this organisation if they wish to? There are so many ways to be involved and I guess it really depends on whether you're a, if you're a farmer, if you want to volunteer, if you're a student, I guess like the easiest ways are just sign up on our website or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you're a farmer, I would love to speak to you. I'd love to hear about the climate smart practices that you're looking at on your farm or that are working for you on your farm or even the ones that you would just like have heard about and would like to think about more. You can attend one of our events. We have many webinars that discuss all sorts of things. The most recent two was one was on like the trade implications of Australia failing to take adequate action on climate change. And then also one where we interviewed Gabrielle Chan, interviewed Kathy McGowan and Fiona Simpson about how they think we can best create change in regional Australia. So a full breadth of things for people to hear about, listen to and engage with amazing speakers on. 
I think one of my favorite things is hearing that people have like really appreciated the opportunity to hear from some of these people or that they'd never thought of such like an idea or had never understand it or never thought that those sort of things actually happened. But then they attend a webinar or attend an event or just like read a story on our website and be like, actually, no, these things can happen on my farm. They can happen in my community. And I'd love to see that change occur. Yeah, for sure. And definitely when we think about climate change, we kind of think the agricultural part is like a lot of um, the damage kind of. But when you can see that there's organisations like these that can really help and that they can be a difference made it's just really amazing yeah absolutely rural australia has like so much positive to contribute to climate action and we just want to make sure that that happens yeah exactly and is there anything else that is important to you that you'd like to mention i guess like i want climate action to be equitable and not leave anyone behind particularly people in rural areas that was claire boyle thank you so much claire for being on the show today thank you very much for having me Thanks for listening to Be The Change. Conversations about important issues with changemakers from all around the world. As young people, we have the ability to initiate our own positive future. Remember, you can wish for change or you can be the change. Catch the youth wave. Tune into the frequency of Yak Radio, carried by the sound waves of Bay FM. Monday, 10.30 to 11, and Thursday, 3.30 to 4. See you there. That was Music Makers. Words, thoughts, and profiles of local artists. Are you a local musician? Get involved! Contact us through bys.org.au. My name's uh, Jake Harpez, and I'm a 20-year-old singer-songwriter based here in Byron Bay. Uh, originally actually from Sydney, Australia, but moved up here a few years ago. I came up with my family. So my brother, actually, who's also a singer-songwriter, Adam, he moved up here about six years ago. He stayed here, so we kind of just followed him up and, yeah, moved up here to go to Byron Bay High School for the final year, which is the year 12, which is not such a great year, but it was, <laughs> it was all right. In Byron Bay, I think... Um, Regarding music, there's a lot of, like, we got a real indie folk scene coming up. I think it started, initially, it started Luke Morris moved down from, I don't know exactly where, sorry, Luke, if you're listening to this, but uh, moved down and he uh, pursued a career in music and he was busking and he was one of the starters, followed by, like, Ziggy Alberts and Carl Leinhardt. And I think, um, yeah, the music scene's, like, really, I think it's getting a bit of a trend where there's a style going on with the indie folk scene and everyone's trying to replicate it to a certain degree, but we got heaps of good artists around here. So definitely ups the competition and, but it's also beautiful when you're walking in the streets and you can really take in like, you know, an artist because there's a lot of parts of the world where you're walking and the cops will tell you move on or something, but around here they're open to the artistry. So that's a beautiful thing, I guess. Young Hearts uh, was the first song I wrote on my EP and I was actually, yeah, it must have been March of 2019. I was just sitting in my bedroom and I don't know what, I just had some inspiration that came and I just started like with a this guitar like melody that kind of went like, seemed a bit like pop cliche, but then it kind of just worked and it was just like strumming like almost like a G chord with like just two fingers and then moving up and then moving up to the 12th fret on the third capo and yeah kind of 
yeah, just resonated with me because I think I had a lot of, I just took all the experiences I had over the last like 17, 18 years of living just on the earth and stuff. So uh, yeah, I wrote it and then yeah, it took a, I think it took like, it just taught me life lessons within the songs. Those are kind of like my favorite songs to like write and uh, when you just get to learn things from what you write because that's like life's all about learning and growing from what you learn. Yeah. Yeah, so enjoy the track. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook. I'm more on Instagram, but yeah, you can go Facebook if you want, Spotify, Apple Music, and yeah, hope you enjoy it because I enjoy it. (laughs) Young hearts, will they glow? When the feeling gets too real And it shows them the way Then it all becomes too much In this life we were made To seldom live bad days And we taste the fire burning in our veins hearts will they smile like me and my old man who once knew of a friend who couldn't pay the rent so he drove the miles to pick up his dead end and he learned that people never change for love love It's hard in our youth when we don't know what to do. So we cover miles to pick up what we left in the search for something greater than a curse. So that's how young hearts fall in love. So that's how young hearts fall in love And that's how young hearts fall in love And that's how young hearts fall in love When the feeling gets too real And it shows them the way Then it all becomes too much In this life we were made To seldom live bad days And we taste the fire burning in our veins That was Music Makers Words, thoughts and profiles of local artists Are you a local musician? Get involved! Contact us through bys.org.au 
Youth Radio on Bay FM 99.9. You are listening to Yak Radio. My name is Sophie, and this is my podcast, Home to Billow, which I created as my grade major work. I set out on a journey to discover more about the Tamil Sri Lankan family detained on Christmas Island. Whether you're driving or at home listening, be sure to tune in. I want to return to our top story. Prime Minister Scott Morrison, Morrison has Scott categorically Morrison ruled out intervening to allow a Tamil family to stay in Australia. The federal government is seeking to deport the family back to Sri Lanka. Lawyers are trying to argue that two children are born in Australia. I set out to delve behind the headlines and uncovered a story of a much-loved family in a town fighting for their return. The Tamil Sri Lankan family Priya, Nardes and their two Australian-born daughters Kopika and Tanika settled in the Queensland town of Biloela after seeking asylum in Australia. The Australian Border Force removed the family from their Bilo home in March 2018 after the government failed to renew their visas. $185 million, sources claim, was spent reopening at Christmas Island to detain the family where they have now been held for over a year. To discover more about the family, I caught up with Biloela resident and friend of the family, Margot McNeil, known to Kopika and Tanika as Grandma Margot. So I met Priya and Nardis in my role. Um, I worked as a counsellor and I was asked to support them through them getting their negative responses from the Australian government in regards to allowing them to stay. Nardis worked at the Meatworks. He was an incredibly hard worker. He would have worked three jobs if he could just to be able to look after his family. Family was the most important thing to Nardis. They engaged in all the community activities. They'd go to all the church fates. They'd go to anything that was happening in the town. They'd go shopping. If they saw you in the shopping centres, they'd stop and have a chat. And their greatest joy was their kids. So they'd do everything they could with involving the kids. So... Yeah, no, they, they loved it at Biloela, and Biloela loved having them there. Angela Fredericks is a close friend of the family and is leading the campaign to bring the family home to Bilo. She described what their life was like in Biloela. Just a simple life, just a simple carefree life. Honestly, the thing they love to do the most, so Priya and Nadez, is feed you. So it's literally... Whenever we would go and visit them, they would have a feast prepared for us. You know, they'd cook food. When I first met Priya up at the hospital, it was while she was under a great deal of stress, particularly around Nadez's visa and her visa. And they just had little Tanika. So they were this new family of four. She's just such a natural mum. And just watching her basically... You know, didn't matter what we were doing, it always came back to making sure her girls, you know, her girls were being looked after. Priya really mothers me, which I absolutely love because, like, even just talking to her this last week, I've been quite unwell. And even on the phone, you know, everything that they're going through and she's always, are you looking after yourself? Make sure that you're okay. They are honestly family to me now. So... Yeah, they're they're constantly in my thoughts. Then in March 2018, the family were taken from their home in Biloela in the night, put on a plane to Melbourne Detention Centre to face deportation to Sri Lanka, 
a country their two Australian-born daughters had never seen. Angela and Margot described the family's removal. We hear about stuff that goes on, on in the world and yet to witness just the harshness that we can treat people is just absolutely shocking. So um, I, re I remember hearing about her screams, you know, Priya screams, um, the, the poor neighbour who was absolutely traumatised by witnessing them being carted away. For me, it was a case of, oh my God, I know if they send them back, I know that they'll probably die. It was very frightening. And it's something that Bill has never seen before. They just came in and they swooped and they grabbed their family. And they literally ripped them out of their home. They left the bottles on the table that they were getting ready to feed the baby. You know, just all their clothes, all their wedding memorabilia, which is important to Sri Lankan people, were just destroyed. Everything. They've got nothing. My name is Simone Cameron and um, I grew up in Biloela. Um, I later moved back there and I was a migrant English teacher and I was part of a small group of teachers who actually um, organised and, and set up uh, a migrant English program for, for people seeking asylum like Nadez um, because there was a, a large influx of them coming to Biloela because there was an arrangement between the meatworks in Biloela, the Tees Australian Meatworks, um, to, to give um, people seeking asylum work. So they were, they were sort of bussed up from places like Brisbane to come and start their jobs. So I met Nadez first in the, in the classroom, but I also can remember him early on because he, he had a second job as a trolley, trolley guy at, at the local Woolworths. And then not long after we had those English classes together, I actually moved away from Biloela. So I didn't hear of him again for some years until he and Priya and the girls were actually taken in March 2018. And by that stage, I was actually living down in Melbourne. I guess it was quite lucky that we were down in Melbourne because I was able to then um, go and arrange to visit the family in detention. Simone spoke with me about some of the health issues that the children have faced in detention. Tanika and Kopika had diagnosed vitamin D deficiencies. They didn't have any outside activities at all until I think it was into their second year of detention, actually. So they weren't getting outside enough. So they had these deficiencies from, I guess, mineral deficiencies, but also from lack of sunlight. So... Those deficiencies then caused these really painful dental infections for Tanika as her baby teeth were forming in the gums. They were turned away when they tried to get some treatment for Tanika, who was just a, you know, a wee little toddler um, crying in pain. And they would just say, Here, here's some Panadol, give her some Panadol. So Nadez and Priya just had to keep going back to the, the medical service in the detention centre repeatedly. Now, eventually, after months of this happening, they, they took her to hospital and they were told that she would need to have these baby teeth removed. Margot describes some other challenges the family faced. They would wake up in the night with a guard standing over them, looking at them. When she first went into detention, they weren't even allowed to shut the bathroom door. So every time they had a shower or went to the toilet, there was guards watching. After being in detention for a year, the family were put on a plane to be deported to Sri Lanka. 
Mid-air, they were granted interim injunction over the phone by a judge, meaning the deportation was stopped and the plane was forced to land in Darwin. The family were then transferred to Christmas Island, costing the government as much as $185 million to reopen, sources claim. Tanaka has spent every birthday in detention and was denied a cake and candles delivered by friends for her second birthday, despite Nardes following protocol and completing the required paperwork. Kopika was able to celebrate her fifth birthday in detention with her billow friends on Zoom. Oh, hello Kopika and happy birthday from your Australian mama. We really miss you and we wish you such a, such a happy day. And I can't believe that you're five. You're such a big girl now. So already. Happy birthday, darling. Oh, I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Angela has made the journey to Christmas Island twice to lend her support to Nardas, Priya and their two young daughters. Oh look, they are struggling. Um Priya and Nadez are both very fatigued. Um, they're very depressed. They're, you know, they still have hope, but there's such a sense of powerlessness. You know, their day-to-day -day routine, their ability to provide and do things for their girls has all been taken away from them. The girls... Oh, look, Kopika, especially, she's, she spent this year at school. She's now in prep and she fully understands that what's happening to her family isn't normal. Kopika, she just, she loves make-believe. We would pretend that we were driving places because especially being stuck in detention, they're, they're craving, they're craving adventure. So we'd pretend that we were driving to the shops which Kopika is dying to get to some shops. So we'd pretend we were going to the shops and pretend we were buying things. I want to go to Bella Willa and I want to go shopping and I want to go for my dad's car. I don't like God. That was part one of the three-part series of Home to Billow. Tune in next week to hear part two. Or you can find this full story as a streamable podcast on Spotify Podcasts as Home to Billow. Thanks for listening. There's a special event going on. What's the special event? Conscious Movie Club Fundraiser brings you our first open air movie night. Screening Sea of Shadows a Sea Shepherd documentary that tells the tales of the most endangered marine mammal, the vaquita. Which is the world's smallest dolphin. Sea of Shadows takes us on the journey through what it means to save this beautiful creature. We watch as Mexican drug cartels, Chinese traffickers, dedicated scientists, high-tech conservationists and courageous undercover agents clash in the Sea of Cortez, which is the home to the vaquita. Join us for this engaging movie, followed by a Q&A with the volunteers who were in the treacherous field risking their lives with the vaquita. It's a PG film, so bring the family down to the yak. $15 ticket and $10 for under-18s. It will be an open-air movie night. Get tickets at bys.org.au slash movie club.
You're listening to Yak Radio, Bay FM 99.9. Thank you so much for listening to Yak Radio this week. We will be back next week, Monday, 10.30 to 11, here on Bay FM. Thanks for listening to Yak Radio on Bay FM 99.9. Do you know someone who would love to be involved? Contact us through bys.org.au. Have any ideas of things you would like to hear or talk about? Call us for a yak on 6685 7777.